Watch and listen to the dream of time and space. It all comes out now, flowing like a river. That was and is not. Fox. Laura is the one. Hello and welcome to another edition of A Damn Fine Podcast, the podcast that's celebrating all things, things Twin Peaks as we uh, enjoy and try to digest Twin Peaks The Return. I'm Ron Richards and with me as always is Tom Merritt. You know, as we're digesting Twin Peaks tonight, my stomach feels a little little butterfly filled. Yes. Uh, had- we've been beating to death this roller coaster metaphor and I feel like... Today we've we reached the top. You know, finally. It's, it's funny that you said that because I had a unsettling feeling the entire episode, and I couldn't put my finger on it. I'm glad I'm not That's the only one. That's what it one. is. It You're could, climbing the climbing the roller coaster. It could have been related to our guest tonight. Uh, I want to introduce my good friend, an esteemed comic book writer. He did a whole bunch of stuff for Marvel, but these days he's writing Black Science, Deadly Class, Seven of Eternity, and other great stuff over at Image Comics. Mr. Rick Remender, how you doing, Rick? I'm quite well. Uh, th- thank you for having me on your on your podcast. The question, Rick, is how is your stomach? My stomach's okay. I, I crammed in some Chinese food between the episode and 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 uh, uh, the three minutes I had before coming down. Probably uh, probably wasn't the the best decision. <laughs> you should have probably the most butterflies of all of us. <laughs> so uh, so Rick, uh, tell us about uh, your life experience with Twin Peaks. When did you uh, did you watch the show when it was originally on? When did you become a fan of David Lynch? Tell us. Uh, tell start at the beginning. <laughs> um, the the uh, the Wild at Heart uh, uh, turned me on to the Lynch, and it spoke to me like nothing ever had. Uh, I remember the first time I saw it, I was absolutely floored. I didn't know anything like that existed. Um, I then went back and, and went out to the uh, the video rental store, which is what we had back then, kids. We drove our cars to go pick up cassette tapes, uh, and I and I picked up the Blue Velvet. Um, I hadn't and and you know I hadn't seen Eraserhead. I, I got it. I got. I just went down the list, and so obviously. Um, I, I uh, as soon as I could, uh, uh, you know, get my hands on on Twin Peaks, uh, the the VHS. I had missed it when it was coming on, when it was broadcasting. I probably watched it a year or a year and a half afterwards. Uh, and I got the. I also rented those as soon as they were out. I can't quite remember what year it was, um, but early '90s. And uh, it was, uh, you know. Uh, like to most people who saw it, it made me uh, uh, want to create. And I was thinking about it uh, tonight before talking with you. I can honestly say it's the only thing that I loved from my early 20s that I still love as much as I did then. Um, wow. wow. Yeah. There's, I, it's the only thing left that I am just a fervent, passionate, crazy fan of. Every time a new episode begins of the return, I almost want to weep because there's there's one less new episode I'll get to watch. Right. Uh, and, and what a, what an amazing treat as somebody who's rewatched the series, you know, uh, uh, 12, 13, 14 times from top to bottom to be in the future and watching new episodes that are uh, Lynch in his early 70s. Uh, showing you that you can get better and better and better. Yep. I I feel like I'm your brother in Lynch film 
following because uh, other than the fact that I did catch Twin Peaks on television the first time through and didn't really have context or understanding for it, my first Lynch movie was Wild at Heart, then Blue Velvet, then Eraserhead, and then I went back and rewatched Twin Peaks. So I had that same feeling and I hadn't really thought about whether there's anything else that I loved from my 20s that I still love and I maybe Star Trek uh, I could throw in there, but there certainly isn't much. Now, for me, there's nothing. I, I have I have squozen the blood out of everything that I once loved as a young man, which I think is probably healthy. Um, I think like a, a certain- human juicero for entertainment. <laughs> That's right. Uh, uh, but 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 Twin Peaks is. I rewatched the the first two seasons and Fire Walk with me prior to the uh, first episode of the Return. Nice. And obviously, there's those eight episodes in in season two that you just you just kind of fast forward through most of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he met a girl on the edge of town, and I don't care. And then, okay, uh, yeah, yeah. there's this guy who works in the department store. All right, what's happening? <laughs> what network exec is ruining this? And then, but then all of a sudden, the Winnem Earl stuff. Uh, and then Lynch comes back with Frost at the end and they're like, hey, remember how much you love all this? It's going away forever. <laughs> and, and then, you know, the, the, the greatest ending of anything ever, you know, the, the Dale Cooper ending, uh, you know, it just sat with us all for 25 years. And here we are finally getting to uh, to dive in and, and have this, you know, incredible uh, work of art dumped on us from a guy who, um, you know, Everybody, I, I don't. I can't think of another uh, uh, creator, a tour other than Lynch, who just progresses every project and just gets better and better and better and better. And he and Frost together on this thing, it's just uh, yeah. There's nothing. I've gone through my mind. I'm like, do I love this? You know, I still turn to like '80s punk to like to like you know pump me up and 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 to like get the juices flowing. Um, I'd, I'd say that was the only other thing that I haven't squozen the love out of, but most everything else, for, most everything else from that era, or maybe Dan Klaus comics or Optic Nerve comics or Tank Girl. All right, there's stuff, there's stuff. But anyway, I love Twin. Peaks. A few pieces here right. and there, but for the most part. Yeah. Well, I think, and I, I think, I think you're totally right about David Lynch. I mean, it's you know we've talked a little bit about here and there about just how beautiful this whole series has been, and and the toys that he's playing with, and even if you sit down and watch the credits, the number of times he comes up, not just in writing and directing, but he's doing some editing, he's doing sound design. For God's sake, the the the, the the last song at the at the Roadhouse at the end of this episode was written by him and and the artist Rebecca Del Rio and and the artist jo- and the the musician John Neff you know so like he's has a hand in so much it's becoming such like a, a complete visualized product of Lynch like this is pure Lynch it's it's yeah it's, yeah something great but Rick before I want, but before we talk about what you think of the the return I'm curious you know as as someone who's you know you're, you're a writer and you, you come up with ideas and create worlds and stuff like that how has being a Lynch fan affected your creative process and like the stuff that you create you know it, it, you know i gotta imagine it's, it's you've got to cite him as an influence right i'd say every good thing i've done is when i slow down and and you know dig for the big fish like lynch and um and and quit rushing through plot and and dig into lingering and moments and heart and ideas um i i'd say that the the times when i shine are when i manage to remember what it is I love about him and and what he does. Wow. All right. Wow. That's that was a much deeper answer than I was expecting. 
<laughs> That's great. <laughs> Here, I'll you know, yuck, yuck it up. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, no, I know. But you're, you're right. I think I think we, one of the things that we've talked a lot about in the podcast is what I love at least is enjoying the quiet moment. I mean, the, as we like to call them, the Del Mibbler moments. You know, like the the equivalent of Del Mibbler walking across the bank floor to get Audrey a glass of water. Um, you know, when when Lynch lets lets the story breathe. Yeah, and look, I mean, that's that's you are speaking up and you are treating your audience as intelligent adults. And if they're not intelligent adults, then fuck them. Right. And there is something so glorious about that. And there's plenty of you know eras I've been writing you know for 15, 20 years. And there's plenty of things I've done that have been for a paycheck or uh, been for the wrong reason or uninspired because of exhaustion in life. Um, and it's when you look at the moments like that one in the bank – that you remember that um, people will uh, – you have to fly your freak flag to, to, to call in your people. And, and Lynch is never afraid to just do that and to be exactly who he is and to do exactly what he wants. And he's you know, going through his, his, you know, uh, his catalog, I can't really think of a place where you go, oh, Lynch really compromised on that. And that's why he's a rare figure who will – you know, I, I think Stand is the is the greatest director. Of- uh, people get frustrated with Lynch is they may not be experiencing it the way uh, that they were expecting or that they wanted. But you will never I think you put it so well. You will never see that Lynch has compromised. You will see that Lynch has made a decision that maybe it doesn't work for you or maybe you don't understand it. But he meant it. And and that's that's what I always try to keep in mind when I'm getting frustrated with something uh, is is he meant everything and specifically in Twin Peaks the Return it is not a piece of art that you will get immediately you ha- first of all we have to watch all 18 of these parts and and it will take more than one pass because it's it's that layered absolutely and it and it, you know i can't think of anything that's that's so meticulous and so well planned out and uh, he 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 doesn't hold your hand. You 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 get to sit with that urgent that that you have that urgent need for answers, and especially for longtime fans, when there's you know the the, the owl ring comes off Dougie Jones' finger, and you go trying to figure it out. The fucking owl ring. Why is it that guy Dougie? What is Dougie? You know, did Bob make Dougie? Uh, <laughs> and it's it's all of that that you know <clears throat> as a writer, I try to remind myself that the kinds of readers that I want to speak to shouldn't you shouldn't give them the answers and you'll lose people and there are people who just won't won't appeal that won't appeal to them whatsoever and obviously working you know in in mainstream comics you have to sort of discard a lot of that instinct but um ultimately i think that when you when you as a writer or creator allow yourself to sink and soak and float around and get a look at the world um and not have those answers it gives you time there's there's like I, I would say it's it's a it's almost a it's a calm sense of urgency uh, in a lot of those scenes where you know if you give yourself over to it, he's gonna he's gonna give you something pretty cool every time, uh, but you're not gonna be getting this this traditional narrative uh, right up front. I, but I think that it's there ultimately. I, even if he's you know even if he and Frost are kind of uh, you know uh, <clears throat> making up bits and pieces of it as they go, you can tell from the structure of this. 
it's it's very meticulously planned. It's going yeah, somewhere. Yeah. It's definitely going somewhere, and that that's got to be this episode in particular shows that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's not spoon fed like you say, but but you you're starting to see what they're getting at. Yeah, and, it, and it's, it's something something's causing that awkward, uncomfortable feeling that I had this entire episode. But um, so so Rick, so far, what what do you think? You know, we're ten episodes in. I assume you're enjoying the return. I, I, I every episode is like a gift to yeah. me. It's my favorite thing in the world. Uh, every every one of them makes me. Uh, I, I I just couldn't I couldn't love all of it more than I do. It, it literally is the one thing I in left in the world that I am an authentic, <laughs> passionate fan of. Oh, that's great. And and yeah, I hadn't I hadn't thought about the with every time the credit. I mean, I I get a little weepy every time the credits roll just because that the the that that baseline hits me and the the font and the logo. But I haven't thought about it in the context of oh, here's one less. Like we're we're inching our way to doom. I'm just more <laughs> excited for well, the. That, app. Yeah, you have to look it through the lens of somebody who who fights negativity on <laughs> every hour. Yeah. Uh, yeah that, that's how I view it. It's like oh, instead of seeing like the gift of getting one, because whoever thought you know. Uh, yeah. I, all I see is one less, but I, I definitely do. As soon as it starts, feel that. Uh, I, I remember it was tonight's episode ten. Yes. Yeah, part ten. Yeah, I remember. I remember thinking like only seven or eight more to go. God damn it! Like I, 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 I don't want it to end. It's my favorite thing. Yeah, it's just so great. And so, and so you, you've been tolerant of Dougie. You've been tolerant of the pace. Like this hasn't. Like, oh, it's, it's uh, it, it fucks you up. Yeah. <laughs> like there's a moment, the Dougie thing will definitely drag you around. You go, ah, oh, God, because but they, but but what geniuses! Yes. Like first thing I would have done is like, is Cooper drives into town and there's you know he's got Bob in him and there's Audrey Horn and I would and then they're like, no 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 sorry, they're like we're doing something so unique and different. We're gonna go way over here. You're still going to get to see some of these characters, and we're going to do a slow boil to whatever the hell is going on. Yep. But there's I, been, like, you know, uh, I've pieced together, like, you know, the Richard Horn thing. I, I get that. You know, okay, it's Bob's kid. You know, tonight pretty much proved that. Um, yep. there, there is, you know, all the little seeds and mysteries are starting to blossom and turn into things. Yeah, I, I I tell you what, I am still frustrated with the with Dougie having the same joke every time, and I and I know that it's for my own good for when that finally stops. The relief that I feel will have made it all worthwhile, and, and I feel like it's punishment for every time I've carried a joke too far that <laughs> yeah. I, I'm going through this penance by watching Dougie. But that that, that repetition is not an accident, you know. Like no, it's when, not. No, it's that, not. That feeling of frustration. Like when was the last time you felt that in a show that frustration right? and yep. you care you want Dale Cooper back so badly now right It's not even just that it's I I want Dougie to say something besides the last word that he just heard sometime right. Yeah <laughs> no, but I mean that's the, but that again that frustration No exactly that, yeah yeah that is an emotion yeah. and that is a very difficult emotion to strike you know like like long term to and do you imagine like the balls it takes to hang with that to just make you sit with Dougie constantly just it's just Dale Cooper his brain is stuck in some frequency from going through the hellhole of the of the lodge and coming through all the different dimensions he did and he just can't snap out of it I mean if you pitch that if, if I had if I was making twin <laughs> series three and David Lynch himself was pitching that I'd be like oh god no I don't know man I don't know about that <laughs> That's crazy. And then you realize that's why it's so fucking smart. It's so smart. Yep. 
Oh man! All right. Well, let's let's dive into episode ten then, uh, and kind of touch upon Rick something that you that you said. So this the the main gist of this episode was that the main two storylines was we we and the the thing about this episode before we get into specifics is that and Tom, what got me about it was that it, it was the swing of the pendulum again. Right. Mm-hmm. Whereas last week we had one of those like, oh, my God, and this and you start to see the pieces come together and there's a lot of mythology and stuff like that. And then the pendulum swings across the screen. And now we're back to Richard Horn. We're back to Las Vegas. We get some Dougie with the casino, like all the stuff that we didn't know how it fits in. And as the episode goes, not only did I have that unsettling, you know, uncomfortable feeling throughout the whole watching it, but it's also the sound of things clicking into place. Yeah, no, exactly. Each each little scene that felt entirely disconnected in parts one through three is now showing its connections to other parts. And you can see, I feel like in my head, it's like a little map where, you know, the lines are starting to be drawn between the points on the map. Now we see the roads that connect everything. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, the main main part of it was, you know, we, we spent a lot of time with Richard Horn, who I think now is nominated for the worst character in Twin Peaks history. Like as far well, as he's not worse than Bob. <laughs> but. Well, yeah, <laughs> but Rick, you, you had mentioned something that, that a little speculation. So you 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 you're buying into that he is the the offspring of Audrey and Evil Cooper. Yeah. yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they already hinted at it. Yeah. Yeah. When, well, when, and he calls okay. he calls Sylvia Grandma. So well, yes, it's, yes. unless he's Johnny's kid, which well, no, is pretty no, well, yeah, no, I think we no, I think we established that he's we, a horn, right? But he's unless horn. he's adopted. Yeah. But then there was a moment then uh, uh, Bobby was saying that, that Major Briggs said that he had seen Dale or, or one of them had seen no, Doc Hayward. coming uh, Hayward, right. Yeah. yeah, Doc Hayward had, had seen had seen uh, uh, Cooper coming out of her yeah. her hospital room after she'd been knocked unconscious from no, the it's pretty, blast. pretty clear. Yeah. And, and and now it also continues the the where's Audrey question, which everybody's getting all you know like all bent out of shape waiting for Audrey to show up. But yeah, so we we return to Richard Horn, who is is trying to deal with the fact that uh, he hit and run and hit that kid, and uh, Miriam uh, saw him, and so the episode opens with him uh, paying Miriam a visit, uh, which ultimately ends in him, and she tells him that she's already told the police. In fact, she's written a letter to the sheriff to tell him everything <laughs> she knows, and if anything happens to her, it's because of him. And uh, that does not scare him, and he uh, he he goes into her trailer, knocks her out, turns on the gas, and uh, lights a candle, and drives away. So uh, now, in addition to drug dealing and hit and run, that is you know straight up murder. So uh, yeah, Richard uh, he calls Chad. Uh, yes. We all hated Chad already. Now we know why. Uh, he he's Richard's buddy, and and Chad. Uh, make sure that that letter won't get seen, or at least he, he's attempting to. He's got it hidden away on his person. Well, they, yeah, and they exchanged cash in the second or third episode too. Yeah, in, in, the, in the roadhouse scene when when Richard uh, was in the was in the booth and that that disturbing scene with the girls. There's a moment where Chad, that's right, is, uh, Chad that's is right. Well I've forgotten too. about yeah. that. Yeah, so in cahoots for sure. Um, really disturbing. And I'm just going to continue. We go a little out of order as opposed to chronology. Let's just stay with Richard, just because it's just so disturbing. But so uh, you know, so he tells Chad that he's got to get rid of the letter. Um, and, and in a little, a uh, little bit of, uh, Lucy comedy or uh, trying to kind of, you know, Chad and Lucy exchanging, but then he, uh, Chad is able to intercept the letter. Um, and then it seems as if Richard is getting out of town, but before he does that, he needs money. So he visits his grandma, Sylvia Horn, um, and where we see Johnny did not die last week in that last episode when he hit his head, but he is in fact, Ooh. uh, it looks like his jaw is wired shut and he's got a bandage and then he is tied to a chair forced to watch a robot teddy bear over and over say hello johnny how are you today 
in a in a slight British accent. <laughs> that's that's a rough uh, a rough existence for Johnny. I mean, do you, you take a crazy person and try to drive him crazy to make him sane? Is that what that's about? I don't know what that is. Uh, <clears throat> some, some of it's it's Lynch Lynch and Frost doing art house stuff. I mean, oh maybe for it's sure, not. it's also the kind of thing that. There could be an explanation from from you know from his doctor in three episodes. For you sure, just you just don't you don't you don't know which way they're going to go yeah. with it. But it's it's. But a, hello, Johnny. How are you today? Is the percussion of that scene? Yes, it's the percussion of that scene. Perfect. Yeah, and you know what a what a tremendously weird and ugly, and yet um, it felt so suburban and and oh, this could happen. It felt it felt very feasible to me. Um, in that, in that, in that same, you know, in the sense where it was all also, you know, incredibly fucking weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, well, Richard, Richard arrives and he then proceeds to get violent and threat, you know, attacks his grandmother and threatens her and forces her to give him the, the combination to her safe and proceeds to steal her money, her silver her jewelry and her silverware. All the while the teddy bear is saying, hello, how are you today? Um, in a weird kind of, and I just, the silverware is pretty hilarious where it's <laughs> like, Oh, what is going to steal the silver? Oh, well, yes, actually. Yes, he will. And, and you, and Rick, you're right with terms of like the suburban. Cause like, uh, like Johnny's at the table and it's weird that Johnny is tied to the table, but like to, on the dining room table, there's a puzzle, like a jigsaw puzzle is being done, right? It just seems all very, you know, saccharine and suburban, yet then this force of evil comes in and just like literally, you know, Johnny falls out of his chair. He, call, he calls his grandmother horrible words. It's just like, like it just, it, 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 the, the juxtaposition between the suburban kind of just normalcy and that violence, uh, just really disturbing. Yeah. Yeah, and the weirdness of it, I always think that there's something about about normal life that is so weird. Uh, there, uh, you know, like the, the 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 thing with the inexplicable, you know, teddy bear, Teddy Ruxpin, telling him, you know, uh, how is he doing today, over and over and over and over. Yep. Um, it's almost more normal when it's that weird, I guess, on some level, than it is a scene where everybody's sitting around watching TV or something a little more pedestrian. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's the, the ballad of Richard Horn, which is, uh, yeah. Uh, oh. So we get, we get more connection to Audrey, more connection to Chad, yeah. uh, uh, bring back Johnny. And now we see Ben kind of driven back into Beverly's arms, uh, when he, well, after Sylvia calls him and demands that he make good on what Richard stole. And he asked Beverly if she'd like to have dinner with him. Right. And that, and that thus proving that, you know, clearly Benjamin and Sylvia have gone their separate ways. Who knows how long, mm-hmm. like, you know, and, and, you know, that she's calling her lawyer and that sort of thing. But you still get, you know, like you, you the, again, like it reminded me of the phone call that Sheriff Truman had with his wife a few episodes back where Benjamin on the phone, on the phone with Sylvia having this argument. You, you could almost hear it in Richard Bamer's voice. This is not the first time. Yeah. Right. Well, and, and the other thing is, you know, we, we danced uh, across the Lucy scene. Uh, but the scene where Chad steals the mail is very, very Frost-like. It's very original Twin Peaks. And Lucy sitting behind that counter, I was like, man, if I if I just, you know, fuzz my eyes a little bit, that could be from 1991. Like, that that scene fit right into that original feeling and, and had this tie to this very firewalk with me, Richard Horn storyline going yeah. on. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I totally agree with that. It felt that felt very much like the the, the frost, uh, you know, Peyton stuff, and and mm-hmm. but then con- but then connecting with Lynch Lynchian sort of you know uh, uh, Mulholland Drive, uh, mm-hmm. Lost Highway, the the stuff that he's mixing yeah. in your walk with me and 
man, what what a wonderful treat that is to see all yeah. this stuff. Yeah. I mean, the, the interaction with the mailman, like when, when he handed the mail to Chad and Chad's going through the mail and then the mailman like kind of notices like, what's he doing? <laughs> you know, and you have both the mailman and Lucy looking and like, again, go, go, going back to that letting it breathe concept, like it was just a couple of extra seconds on each shot that increased yep. the tension. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the drifting, I mean, like the, the, the problem with, you know, in comic books, Every single panel is drawn by a human by, by hand, yeah. and so you have to have this sort of you know you, you in terms of real estate you can't do that quite as much. But man, it makes me want to because <laughs> it's so <laughs> so much better yeah. when the scenes, when the scenes drift back and forth and you have a second to soak in them. Yeah, and and then of course I mean I, I don't think it would be with that Twin Peaks without acknowledging the the large plate of donuts on the receptionist mm-hmm. counter, which is uh, always nice. And in fact, it's such a nice day that Chad decides it's time for another donut. It yeah. ca- calls for celebration. <laughs> He's right. He, you know, I don't agree with Chad on much. <laughs> well, well, before we go, before we leave Twin Peaks and go to um, go to La- go to Las Vegas, I do want to touch upon that we have a, a, a short interlude at the at the uh, at the Trout Trailer Park with Carl, Carl Rod and the wonderful Harry Dean Stanton uh, playing guitar and singing, uh, which I, again I would watch an hour of this. Yeah, and it was Harry Dean Stanton's birthday the other day, so we want to wish Harry Dean Stanton a happy birthday to an American legend. But uh, like, singing an American legendary song, Red River Valley. I mean, come on, what's not to love about that scene? Just great. Uh, But um, but yeah, but that's all prelude to we get we get another interlude with which uh, with Shelley's daughter and her annoying boyfriend and the violence and the Leo like violence um, Mm -hmm. uh, of there. But that 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 had nothing tied nothing to anything else in the episode. So not yet, uh, not yet. Yeah, that's moving things along. We had we had we have had a couple of other things that at the early parts of this season I thought were just going to be one offs, almost fan service. Like, hey, we're going to check in on Doctor Jacoby, right? But again, we're back with Jacoby doing his ranting online stream. We see Nadine loving it, yeah. uh, calling him a beautiful man. And then the beautiful shot of run silent, run drapes with the gold shovel in the window. Pretty great. <laughs> Answering the question of what is Nadine's business, she's got a drape store. That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> of course, I had silent drapes. Of course she does. Thank of you. Of course. Thanks, what? thanks, guys. I mean, I know we don't want to just hurl Easter eggs, uh, 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 but I like, I like, I liked getting that one pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, and it you know it did it didn't hit me over the head with the shovel. It's just there, you know. <laughs> but we still don't get Big Ed, but we get more Nadine. But uh, no Big Ed yet. Uh, we still get Jerry looking for service, which should annoy me as much as Dougie, to be honest. But I'm I'm kind of loving the whole Jerry thing. Like Jerry, Jerry I am on the edge of my seat. Yeah, Jerry stoned in the woods is something now I look forward to in every episode. Yeah, that's gonna come. That's gonna circle back around when they when they. Uh, uh, when Truman and, and Bobby and everybody go out to the to the woods, ah, that's a good call. That's yeah. a good he's call. Got a, might be. He's got a spirit. He's you know some logic yeah. and creek critter is in his foot. Something that you know uh, something something is going on there. And I think that th- those th- those trains collide uh, uh, when when the time is right. With the, I can totally the, see that. So the major clue. Yeah, I, I, and I, Rick, I would love to hear what you think of uh, what's become a Dr. Jacoby, or as now he's known as Dr. Amp, because um, I feel like, given especially the state of the world that we're in today, I feel like what Dr. Jacoby has become is not an unreasonable future for many of us. 
<laughs> no, we're all going to. That's absolutely. If, you, if you're Gen X and you grew up on punk rock, then we're all just going to end up in a trailer screaming on the Internet. I mean, right. there's no logical other ending. In fact, I'm not that far from there right now. Right. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, I, I was there a couple months ago and then I went the other way and just unplugged from it all. But I can feel it. it, it no, I mean, I'm literally in my basement, you know, screaming on the Internet as it might. <laughs> well, that's true. At this very moment, we are. <laughs> but but this this was this was a a I mean like the first time we saw Dr. Amp he was very much you know like wake up turn on don't be aware but this is just like a vitriol and an yeah. anger and, and like and honestly the juxtaposition of what's I mean I try not we, I, I a lot of these podcasts that I do I try I do as a way to escape from what's going on in the world around us but you know hearing him yell like and they don't give a shit and wake up and to you know like don't like stop being distracted I was like wow this is really why don't they eat their snacks? Because yeah. well, they're all dead in the street. That's why. And given that they filmed this more than a year ago, like, good job, Frost and Lynch, on being prescient, prescient enough to pick up on this vibe. <laughs> well, that, I mean, that vibe's been around since the 90s, too. Yeah. You know, the, it's, it's just... Uh, it's just at a fever pitch these days, yeah. I, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> just scarily contemporary. Um, all right, cool. Well, well, there's a, a, one another bit that happened in Twin Peaks, but I'm going to hold off on that till the end. But we'll jump over to Vegas, where we we go in deep, uh, not only into Dougie's life, but also into the the Vegas underground. And now we start to see how all the Vegas casino storylines and stuff are going to tie to Dougie, which you know really you know, kind of create a, at least for me, an air of suspense because now I just want, I want Gordon and Albert to find Dougie in Vegas and realize it's Cooper before these casino guys kill him. Sure. Like, yeah. When they, 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 every, every threat to Dougie is a wonderful thing that makes you even more frustrated because you want that Cooper return that you thought you were going to get in episode one. You want that Cooper return so badly. Yep. That's the the brilliance of the way that they stage that out. Yeah, and, and and it's drawn out so much that I'm seeing things that I'm not sure are actually there or intentional. Like when Cooper says "peculiar," I'm like, wait a minute, that's kind of the way Cooper would say it. Is that, yeah. does that mean we're getting? Is he coming back? Is that a peek around the curtain there? I, I think so. It's a reminder that he's in there. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Also, it was interesting that Doctor Flocks from the Enterprise was examining him as a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Ben, right? Um, well, speaking of that, so Dougie finally gets to go to a doctor, and Janie is there in the room, and she sees Dougie with his shirt off and realizes that, that Cooper's <laughs> quite the specimen. And so like, we get, you look like Kyle McLaughlin. Yeah, we get we get a little we get a little uh, Dougie Janie love love making action where I gotta give Kyle McLaughlin credit when he's in that bed laying down smiling. He looks like he has not <laughs> aged a day. But Dougie's sex arms are hilarious. <laughs> Just the floppy Dougie arms. Oh my gosh. And and and, and poor and their their poor son who wakes up in the middle of it. Oh. Yeah, yeah, Sonny. So, Sunny Jim. Sunny Jim. Poor Sunny Jim. But um, but yeah, no. So the, the so basically, what happens is that the uh, spy, uh, Ike the Spike gets you know gets arrested, and so the uh, so the plot to kill Dougie takes a turn in that they uh, pull in Tom Sizemore, the other insurance agent, to tip off the casino bosses that it was Dougie that caused them to lose thirty million dollars, and so therefore uh, they're going to want to get revenge on Dougie, considering also that he's Mister Jackpot, so that that the walls are closing in on Dougie. Uh, we're also seeing some connections there. Uh, where the storyteller guy we finally find out uh, is 
uh, telling Anthony from the insurance company uh, to tell the Mitchum brothers, who are uh, the folks at the casino where Dougie won all the money, that Dougie Jones is the one that screwed them over on their claim. So all of a sudden we get a bunch of connections between those three previously somewhat disparate storylines. Right. And and also we get we get a little more in depth into the life of the three uh, pink, <laughs> pink cocktail waitress girl, ladies. Yeah, they're not just background uh, background characters anymore. They they one of them at least gets some kind of depth. Yeah, <laughs> or lack or lack thereof. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, it was funny because there was a lot of Jim Belushi in this episode, and and I'm, I'm yeah. torn as to whether or not that was a good thing or a bad thing. But <laughs> oh, I, I I think it was 100 percent a good thing myself. Yeah, <laughs> it was he was great. He plays that. That's the role he was. He's great in that role. It's, yeah. it's, every single I, I can hear Lynch in the casting room saying, "I want a bunch of characters. I want you to go out and cast me people who this town has left behind, uh, and but but have but have faces." You know, like everybody that Lynch casts has a face. Mm-hmm. There's no super polished, you know, just boringly pretty people. They're even if they're pretty, they're 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 all unique specimens. Yep. So, uh, so yeah, so that's uh, so the walls are closing in on Dougie in Vegas, and then we get reminded that Gordon and Albert and uh, Tammy Preston are still in South Dakota. Albert having dinner with the mortician. <laughs> which which was lovely, I thought. Um, I can't decide which is cuter: Albert having dinner with the coroner, mortician lady, or the reaction of Gordon and Agent Preston uh, to seeing that and giggling, and then Gordon putting his hand on. Uh, yeah, I picked up on that. Do we, think, do we think that Gordon? So so there was some comments. Could made, be innocent. Yeah, there was comments made. There was comments made in the last episode about when Diane was outside smoking and Gordon came and bummed a cigarette off her, and the body language between Gordon and mm-hmm. T- Tammy, and now that mo- do we think something's going? Going on between Gordon and Tammy? It's been hinted. I mean, he's he's he checked out her caboose in a in a fairly uh, uh, a familiar way. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> well, so yeah, so they enjoy Albert getting having dinner and making a friend, and then we go to the hotel later on where Gordon is enjoying a glass of wine while drawing a dog with antlers. Um, <laughs> and and again, like that, like the, I could have watched David Lynch drawing with a sharpie for a minute for much longer. Yeah, than right. Showed, yeah, but um. Totally. Albert Albert visits him in his hotel room and tells him to turn up his hearing aid and shares with him that they have, as I suspected last episode, that they intercepted Diane's text message and you called it. And they they received what, what uh, Mr. C, what Evil Cooper had sent her, and then decoded what she had sent back to him, um, thus confirming their suspicions that that they need they need to keep Diane close. But, uh, and the but text message came from Mexico. You've completely gone over the fact that he had a a, a vision of Laura Palmer when yes. he opened the. Door. I'm, you're right. Yeah, he, he had a, he was drowned out by a vision of Laura freaking out, which feeds into a theory I have. And again, mm-hmm. spoilers: I could be totally wrong. Yep. Um, Laura Palmer is is the new is going to be the new Bobish kind of set free from the Black Lodge, hate kill creature. Maybe I think that if you look at what happened when she was pulled away into space uh, in the in, in in the waiting room of the lodge, yep. and then uh, if you look at that those people that were sliced and diced by the the screaming form from the the the, the glass cube, I'm thinking that that it's Laura. That's Laura is 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 has come to Earth, either a doppelganger or a spirit or something. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a really interesting theory because I've I've been kicking around in my head the thought that the final scene of Firewalk with me might actually be where we're going in the return. Oh uh, yeah, where, the angel. <clears throat> yeah, and that and that 
that Laura is obviously not at rest yet. Uh, she hasn't right. got to that point where she meets her angel and Cooper in that scene, he's still in the, he's back in the lodge. Right. Yep. Uh, so I, I feel right. like that's not the Cooper that went into the lodge at the end of season two. Uh, so yeah, you may be onto something, Laura, this might be Laura's spirit kind of haunting and angry. And, and that was the scene from Firewalk with me. That was the yep. scene where she has discovered that, that Leland is Bob, uh, right. and her mom is calling her from downstairs. You even hear that part. Yeah, yeah. Yep. You do, you, I watched with the closed captioning, and and when the moment that yells where you hear a voice saying Laura, the closed captioning says in bracket Sarah Laura. Mm. So mm-hmm. um, you know the shot of Laura crying, and and yeah, and that was just and and so the, I, what I was wondering about that was how like why then and why at that moment at the at the door knocking and was Gordon's doodle channeling or do you know like you know going back to the cooper kind of deductive reasoning yeah. like all this sort of stuff what you know was I, it the doodle or was it albert yeah right yeah exactly like like we we wonder you know like everything they do is for a reason we might not know what those reasons are but why was he drawing that dog with antlers in the hand and then laura appears is there something connected there somehow or is it just you know he just got spooked um, but no yeah. he definitely had a, a premonition of sorts or he had a, an encounter uh, with something. I, I, I think that what we're about to see in the next eight, yeah, and that's a very interesting theory because time is not linear in the lodge, that what we saw at the end of Firewalk with me could be uh, uh, what we're building to here with the, I, I there's, I just, yeah. There's, there's, anyway. so, there's, there's so many directions it could go in. Like that's the, and, and that ties in, you know, so after Albert shares the information about Diane's text message, uh, Agent Preston comes in with a still shot of a, of, uh, of film from the penthouse that we saw in the first part, the, the glass box room. And one of the earliest tapes of the video cameras, it's a shot of evil Cooper, Mr. C there. And so Clearly, Mr. C was involved in the setup of that room, trying to capture whatever that was. And the speculation is, is that the monster that arrived in the box that killed the the, the guy, the watching guy and his girlfriend um, was the same experiment, as it was credited in the credits, as the thing that spit out Bob in the in part eight in the in the in the flashback or whatever that was. Um, is that tied to Laura somehow? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that, yeah. That, 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 that image kind of would fit the image that spit out the snot bob. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. But then it all ties to the last step, to the last scene, which is uh, the log lady on the phone with Hawk again. And oh, so good. So good. So, so good. Every time I see the log lady, it just it breaks my heart. Uh, but, it breaks my heart, but it's so good to see. Yeah. yeah. But then, you know, but then with her, you know, giving him, you know, kind of more direction and, you know, confirming that the, the you know, that the Truman brothers are indeed true men and the other good, good people that have been with them. I, I, I took feverish notes. Okay, so uh, well, yeah. uh, do you want to hear the whole thing? Let's hear it. Go for it. Electricity is humming. You hear it in the mountains and rivers. You see it dance among the seas and stars and glowing around the moon, but in these days the glow is dying. What will be in the darkness that remains? The Truman brothers are both true men. They are your brothers and the others, the good ones who have been with you. Now the circle is almost complete. Watch and listen to the dream of time and space. It all comes out now flowing like a river. That which is and is not Hawk, Laura, is the one. So what my reading of that is that Laura is the experiment. And Laura gave birth to Bob yeah. uh, in a in, in like a in a you know, weird time, time isn't linear or whatever type thing. If but, Laura, yeah, yeah. the giant gave birth to Laura and sent her to Earth. 
Did, but did we? Did he? Did do we know? Yeah, that? around that that around that same time, we saw Laura's yeah. face in the in the bubble he right, sent yeah. to Earth. Right, and he saw that after watching the the experiment spit out Bob. Okay, so maybe not. Maybe not. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll walk, so who knows? Yeah, I'll walk that back. But maybe not. But yeah, Laura, Laura is the one of something. Is she the one that's going to stop the evil, or is she the? Yeah, I don't. Uh, well, it could still be a circle, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man. Can you imagine if they did if if there was a Laura doppelganger in Twin Peaks? Can you imagine, like, I mean, can you imagine that, oh, God, there's so, so much potential. I, I just I only ate more. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> but what, what I think, then, then what's even more interesting is that we, you know, we end with that haunting kind of message, and it's a reminder of Laura. We saw Laura, you know, we, we see Laura 10 minutes before with Gordon, right. or even sooner, right? And it's a reminder of it. And then, you know, that's at the, it's at like the 47-minute mark. This was, this was the, probably the shortest episode of the run so far. And, you know, we go back to the Roadhouse, and uh, we see the band playing, and uh, the, the, the singer, whose name I forgot, I forget Rebecca Del Rio. Um, Rebecca Del Rio, right? Wearing a the chevron pattern dress, right? You know, sing, you know, singing a song written by Lynch. So I was looking at all the lyrics, trying to make sense of it. But I, of course, it's it's a lyric half in Spanish. Who knows? But uh, well, and the Spanish stuff was just the English stuff. Yeah, no, again, know, yeah, yeah. you know, there, there's no stars. <laughs> but yeah, but that's the thing is that she said, you know, some of the lyrics I have it, you know, yeah. the song going in front of me, like under the starry night, you know, like kind of this, you know, a lot of the the uh, symbolism or you know stuff that that has been used uh, by Lynch throughout Twin Peaks. Just haunting. I just it's great. I like. I uh, love that it went on, went on for. It was an extended extended performance. That was great. So. I feel like these these uh, these musical interludes are chapter markers, oh, yeah. uh, and I know they haven't always ended up being at the end of a part. But I think it, when when Lynch put this together, he has said it's one long story, and these have been his chapter markers. Yeah. Because e- even if it's one 18-hour-long movie, it's still got to work within the confines of the episode format and things like that. Right. So, right. Just yeah. like one novel isn't yeah. just one long chapter. So all in all, it wasn't like it wasn't the the art house explosion of part eight, and it wasn't it wasn't the oh my god you know juicy bits of Twin Peaks lore and myth of part nine. But you know, going back to the roller coaster metaphor, Tom, that we that we've been using, you know, like you feel like you're at the top. I still don't feel at the top. I still have that. no. As soon as soon as we got the message from the log lady, I'm like this. This is the top of the roller coaster. This is <laughs> this is where the log lady. We haven't seen her since the first part, right? Early, so, like part two or three, yeah, yeah. Well, I guess part two, yeah. yeah. But but this this is her coming back into the story because she's like, all right, things are picking up, Hawk. You need more information. Here you go. Yeah. Why was the Cooper doppelganger in that glass case? Was no, he in the glass case, or was no, it just a photo of him there? It was a photo of him he there. Was there. He was just there. I think, and like, presumably, he's is he setting it up? Like, my, yeah, it looked like there were workmen there putting yeah. it together. Maybe like, okay, my, all right. My I thought he was in the glass case. Yeah. Uh, well, well, Good Cooper got caught there when he came back for a right. moment. Right. No, that's true. Well, because because it looks as if the glass case was, was is supposed to be a intermediary between the Lodge universe and our universe to capture something like and probably to capture. Capture Cooper, probably yeah, and and the the question be and like everything everything Mister C has been doing up to this point, I'm taking as a way I'm interpreting as a way to avoid having to go back to the Black Lodge. He doesn't want yes. to go back. Yeah, yeah, right. And yep. so and so, how that piece fits in that puzzle? Who knows? Is it a way to capture Cooper from coming back or stop whatever it might be or catching the experiment? Who who knows? And it's it is said that a millionaire or a billionaire kind of uh, owned that place or, or funded it. You know, is yeah. that is that Mr. C or is that Philip Jeffries or who is that? You know, so. Oh uh, yeah, it's crazy, and and the thing yes. is, is that like I don't believe I don't believe we'll even get it all explained. 
And do we believe that Diane is working on uh, with with uh, with Evil Cooper, and that was all just a play that she put on when she met him? I, I'm still not convinced that that was all just a play. I I think she's talking to Jeffries. Why did she text Mr. Cooper, uh, Mr. C, that they they? They, oh, did they, she? Was yeah, it definitively said, to Mr. C? Yes, she wrote back to that text message, and it was encrypted. But they decrypted it and says they talked to Hastings. He's going to show them the place. But I didn't think they 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 pinned it on on Cooper. I thought they they said they traced it to Mexico. No, no, no. They said they said that he picked up her his text from a tower <coughs> in Philly, but it was sent from a server in Mexico. So wherever right. Cooper sent the message from, sent it to Mexico, and then sent it to Diane. Did they say it was Cooper, though? That's the part I missed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, okay, they, all right, sure. all right. Yeah, and it was yeah. the thing he sent when he was at the farm. Yeah. And then, then she responded with, they have Hastings, they're going to the place. And that'll be the same place that Bobby and Truman and Hawk are going. Um, and so we're, and then that's probably where um, uh, the Horn brother will be. Yeah, so we're going to, we're, we're maybe looking at a lot of things converging. Uh, and the electricity in the forest Electricity is the spirits in the lodge and and, yeah. and yeah. the buzzing of the the doorway. So, yeah, they're they're about to they're about to we're about to get we're going to get a couple of good hours of David taking us into the lodge and go a cuckoo. I think. <laughs> oh yeah, I would be I so. very surprised if you're not right. I hope so. Convergence is going to be great, but we still got we still got eight episodes to enjoy here. So it's like it's still a long way off. So yeah, well that's um, that's you know, that's a, a some a lot of seasons or eight episodes. So there's still plenty yeah. to go. Yeah, exactly. And so yeah, so like it wasn't you know like again like I said it wasn't the crazy of episode eight. It wasn't even the mythology of episode nine. But I just think the tension building in this episode gives it a lot of credit and was is. is continuing again a great episode so yeah it was po- it was popcorn i mean they just kept it just it, this was this was satisfying plot stuff and and yeah. connective tissue and uh and new hints and then laura being a part of it again like the you know the log lady this was i don't know this is one of my favorites for sure yeah so uh a lot of our our mr c speculation kind of ties into some of our feedback to the roadhouse and you the listener can send in your theories and your questions to feedback at damnfinepodcast.com but uh listener zach wrote in and and he asks did albert and cole ever say the exact year that was the last known photo of mr c was from the one where he seems to be in south america presumably meeting with philip jeffries uh and that and the, that was the photo of him in brazil um, the very awesome Photoshop job that they did. Right, um, right. Uh, my, my, and I believe, I believe, if I read correctly, that that photo was actually the the mansion that 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 he's that was photoshopped on top of is Al Capone's old mansion in in Florida. No. Oh. So I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure I read that. But anyway, so uh, Zach says, my new theory is that Jeffrey's told or was forced to tell Mr. C something about Cooper needing him to escape the lodge, so Mr. C created Dougie as his loophole. We know that Jeffries has similar dreams to Coop and seems to pop in and out of dimensions a la his scenes in Fire Walk With Me, so he would presumably have knowledge of how those rules are set. And if Jeffries has any sort of guilt over giving Mr. C this information, it, it would explain why he's working behind the scenes to have Mr. C killed in Part 8. I don't know if we'll ever see Jeffries in some form this season, but I hope something bigger comes out of this being referenced. And yeah, Je- Jeffries' role in all this continues to be a huge question mark. I think. I mean, like, and we yeah, know, and how they execute it. Yeah, we know we know that David Bowie. You know, unfortunately, you know, we lost him before he could be involved in this. But before he passed away, said that he was interested in reprising the role. So they had plans for Jeffries. Um, yeah. What what they do with it? Who knows? I know that there was some stuff with Fire Walk with me with Jeffries arriving at a hotel in Buenos Aires that didn't make the cut to the movie. So maybe they reuse that footage. Oh, that's interesting. Boy, yeah. that would. That would make me happy. Yeah. 
if they could figure out some way for us to see David Bowie in this, I, I think we would all our heads. Some way that makes sense. Yeah. And and I trust Lynch to to do it in a way that would make sense. But yeah, well, I think that would be great. The nonlinear time, you could do anything. Right. It, yeah. it really could. It's like when he pops up in 1988 in, in the FBI headquarters and points at Cooper and he goes, who do you think this is? Yep. You know, that's that's four years before Cooper's possessed by Bob. You know, it's all that wonderful yep. nonsense time. Uh, I just as long as they don't uh, CGI re- recreate them like Tarkin and Star Wars. That's so, exactly that's what I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> Lynch is not going to do that. He's yeah. very no. The, the I, I don't think so. Bob has been very tasteful. Yep. Uh, you know, you, uh, Bob's reflection on a few things or a slight alteration of of doppelganger Cooper's face as he as he mentions, "You're still with me." He didn't, you know, like the, the occasional cuts to the last episode of season two. Yeah. I, I was worried yeah. about that too. We're like, oh, please don't. Please don't drop in the the CG Carrie Fisher. You know, like I, it, not, nothing is worse. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, so, yeah. I think I think Lynch and Frost are going to do it with 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 dignity. Uh, but it's got. I mean, and the fact that we've already heard Jeffrey's reference several times, it's got to be coming. So. Uh, yeah. yeah. So we'll see. Well, Rick, thank you so much for joining us. I'm so glad that you're part of our little Twin Peaks club. Uh, it's it's awesome. Yeah, it was so much fun being able to talk about the episode with a, with a couple of other fanatics afterwards. <laughs> So, uh, so for those, why do you our, think we do this series? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so for those of our listeners who don't know about you, where can they find you? What should they look for? Uh, plug away. Tell us, uh, tell the people. Uh, you can just, you can head on over to giantgenerator.com and, uh, look at a bunch of my books, uh, or you can go to rickremender.com and look at a bunch of my, uh, blog posts and nonsense. And, uh, you can go to your local comic book store and, uh, Take a credit card and uh, give it to them, and then uh, leave with a bunch of comic books, and uh, and then I get some of that money. Pretty good, <laughs> indeed. And uh, great job on the the most recent Deadly Class, by the way, Rick. I, I really enjoyed the 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 ten pages of music uh, uh, co opting of subculture di- discussion. That was the, one of my favorites so far this year. So good job. <laughs> I, I'm glad to hear that. Thanks, Ron. <laughs> So excellent. Well, thank you, Rick, for joining us. You can go to uh, damnfinepodcast.com and leave a comment on this episode, or you can email us at feedback at damnfinepodcast. Um, and of course, you can follow us on social media on Twitter at damnfinepodcast or on Facebook at facebook.com slash damnfinepodcast. And if you like what you're listening to, you can support us. Head over to patreon.com slash damnfinepodcast, uh, where you can sign up to become a supporting patron. And if you sign up at the $5 or higher level, you get an invite to our super secret uh you know, uh, clubhouse there in Slack that we've got a, a very active Slack channel of damn fine patrons who are every day bringing the heat as far as the speculation, the theories, evidence. Uh, it's it's a really amazing place to be. So uh, go to patreon.com slash damn fine podcast to get in on the fun there. Uh, thank you for listening. Rick, thanks for joining us. Tune in next week uh, for part 11. There's a fire where you are going. Uh, until then, I'm Ron. I'm Tom. 